Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Dallas Greenaway continues our series, Lifelines, talking about how godly friendships can change the world. We look at Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, to see how godly friendships were in the early church. Dallas challenges us to look at the ways God is changing every day of our lives as Christ followers, and find ways that we can use our gifts to serve people for God's glory. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, good morning. So that may be the last time you hear that little jingle, okay? Maybe, maybe. Uh, what'd you say? Pick an easier song? It's not my choice, okay? But that may, that may be the last time you hear that little jingle. Next week, um, I get to be in, in a wedding, all right? I get to be a groomsman, so that's going to be really fun. But it's a Sunday wedding, right? So it's kind of different. Um, so there will be a special guest speaker, okay? Some of you will recognize him. Um, it's not Matt, all right? It's not Matt Densky. So, but it's gonna be it's gonna be really good, and he, it's kind of up in the air. He may or may not do lifelines, or he might do a my story. Which, if you guys remember, we every year we we take uh, four or five weeks and do my story, which is um, somebody. Sometimes it's a high school student, sometimes it's one of your uh, adult volunteers, uh, or or somebody kind of in that realm, and they'll come up and they kind of sum up their their testimony, their life story in a uh, in one word, right? And then they pull from the scriptures, and it's it's gonna be a good time. So if, uh, if my friend does that, then it'll be good. If he does lifelines and talks more about community, that'll be good as well. JJ's like, who could this person be? He's trying to rag his brain. Um, so, but we are in week four of Lifelines, and this whole series we've been talking about community, relationships, um, really what godly friendships look like. We've been talking and looking at Jesus's life and how he treated people, how he interacted with people, including his closest friends, people like the disciples and Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Remember, we talked about them last week, and, um, and we've been seeing, hey, what can we learn from Jesus's life and the way he treats people uh, and, and now apply to our lives if we're going to follow in his footsteps, if we're going to be imitators of God, like that Ephesians uh, 5 verses 1 and 2 says, then, then let's follow in Jesus' footsteps and let's see what that means for our friendship. So we've talked about things like how, um, how God never leaves us or forsakes us. And so in our friendships and our relationships, when things get tough, maybe your friend is going through something tough in their home or at school, you know, our, our answer or our uh, Jesus-like move in that moment is not to run away from them because things get hard and you or I don't know how to deal with it, but it's actually to embrace them, like to be with them as, as they're struggling through something, to be with them as they're wrestling through things, uh, much, like, much like God is there with us in the, the high moments of life, in the mountaintop moments, and in the, the valleys. Uh, we've also talked about how, uh, in, in one of the first two weeks, we talked about how we all have blind spots in our lives, right? There's, there's things in our lives that we can't see, but other people can. God's put people around us who can see those blind spots. And in, in the same way, that, that iron sharpening iron, one of the most famous verses from the Bible, uh, we can be that for each other. We can be friends who, who help each other grow, right? And we've talked about a few other things around our friendships and relationships. And today, we're, we're going to talk about actually how our friendships, godly friendships, together, we can be a part of changing the world, right? And that might sound kind of funny. That might sound kind of hokey. But here's what we know to be true is that Jesus, Jesus himself, he changed the world, right? I mean, it's, you can't argue it. Whether you believe in him or not, you, you can't argue that Jesus changed the world. And how do you know? Well, here's a pretty easy one. Uh, he's been... Uh, dead or he's not been walking on this earth for 2,000 years, right? 
And we're still talking about them today. There still are churches all over the place, all over the world, not just in our city, but, but in mil, uh, millions. I don't know if that's a real number. But all over the world, there's churches where people gather together every week and talk about Jesus, right? I mean, he, he came and really flipped the world up, upside down. We all, all we, a lot of times talk about God's kingdom as the upside down kingdom because he took how we think certain things about life and about the world and he flipped them upside down, right? So go ahead and turn your Bibles. We're going to be in Luke chapter 4 for the first little bit. And as we get there, I was kind of thinking about this, uh, this question, can you and I be a part of changing the world? If Jesus and his band of uh, disciples and, and a, a few other people around him, if they were a part of, of changing the world, and that's kind of what we just talked about, right? If they were a part of changing the world, uh, I actually think that Jesus has now left, and we're kind of going to see this in just a second. He's left his mission now with us. That as much as Jesus came to change the world, he's now called us to be a part of that same world-changing movement as well. So can we do it? And can we do it together? Do you guys actually believe that you could be a part of, of changing the world? We kind of talked about this in, in first service, but here's, here's what I know is I know that I can't do it on my own because there's like some things that I'm good at, uh, but there's a lot of things that I'm bad at, right? Like if, if we're going to be a part of changing the world, we have to do it together, like we see with Jesus' disciples, like we see with the early church that we're going to read about in a few minutes. If we're going to do it, we have to do it together. We need each other because we have different strengths and, and different weaknesses. And I think God blends those things together, unites us all together uh, so that we can, um, so can complement each other, right? So here's kind of something fun that I want to do. Uh, I, I've been amazed lately at how different I am from people and how much better people are at, at different things, right? One of the things that came up in first service is if you've ever gotten a birthday card from me, all right, sometimes I'll write your birthday card, you sit there for like 15 minutes trying to understand what I, I wrote to you, okay? You can admit it. I know it's true uh, because my penmanship is terrible, all right? I just, I can't write very well. It's, it's like, looks like chicken scratch, okay? And so you got to sit there and think about it, but know that I wrote it with love, okay? But some of you have way better uh, writing abilities than I do, and so I at least need you, Okay? Uh, when we were at the beach this past week, my, uh, the rest of my family, I was back at the house, but my, the rest of my family was out eating, and a lady had a seizure in the restaurant, which is, like, pretty scary, right? And my sister is a trained medical professional. She's a nurse, and so she knew what to do. So she, like, walked over there and, you know, was checking the lady's pulse which, and, and, and asking the right questions and all these kinds of things, and I, I would have no idea what to do, right? Like, uh, I'll pray for you, right? But I don't even know that I would know how to count a pulse. Like, I, I don't, I mean, it sounds kind of easy, but I, I don't know. But my sister knows how to do that stuff, and so we're really thankful that she, she knows how to do that, right? So here's what I want to do, is I want to give you guys a chance to brag on yourselves and let us know some things that you are good at, okay? So turn to your neighbor and tell them one thing that you are good at, all right? I'll give you like 20 more seconds. So if you've been talking the whole time, you need to let your, the other person talk. All right. 
being silly. All right, what are some things you guys are good at? I'll take a few answers. Will, you're good at taking pictures, like good at some photography stuff. Sweet. I don't feel like I'm very good at that. So, yeah, we, we need you. Wes, what's something you're good at? Fortnite. He's good at Fortnite. He's probably not as good as he, think he, as he thinks he is, but, you know, back in the back. Math and soccer. Nice, math and soccer. Yeah, some of us hate math. I don't hate it. Uh, but we need people who are good at it because, you know, math. So uh, what you got? Five instruments, and she can sing. I am not musically gifted, okay? So it's very important that we have people who are musically gifted. Yep. Nice. So more instruments. Love it. Yep. Ladies in the middle. Sure. You first. Drawing. Nice. See, I am not, just like my penmanship is bad, I can't draw. All right. We need, we need artists and that's not me. Yep. Tennis. Very cool. Yeah. I'm, I don't think I'm tall enough to play tennis is how that works. You like to do plays, do some acting. Nice. How about one more? Sleeping, yes, that's a good one. Hey, but, okay, so we're about to do this. Next, you're going to tell somebody, so you got a chance to brag on yourself, okay? Now you're going to tell somebody something that you're bad at, all right? And one of the ones in first service was actually, I'm bad at sleeping, okay? So if you're bad at sleeping, you need people who are good at it, maybe give you some tips. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that works. All right, I'll give you like 15 more seconds. Nice. All right, so I'm already hearing some. I'm clumsy, right? I don't have balancing skills in the back. You're bad at social studies? Nice. Boys, Dalton? What is it? Bad at English? He's bad at, Mar bad at being bad at Mario Kart. It's all about video games over here. What is it? Math. I thought you said magic at first, Sam. All right. Uh, yeah, how about Audrey? Bad at English. So everybody's revealing their grades right now, I think is what's happening, right? What is it? At life? Well, we need to get this girl some prayer, right? So I know we could keep going. We could go on and on with all the things you guys are bad or good at, right? But bring it in, bring it in. The, the point is that we're all gifted at different things, all right? We're all gifted at different things. We're all weaker in some areas than each other. And all over the Bible, it tells us that we really do need each other, that, 
that, you know, it talks about the body and says, hey, the, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need for you, right? Like, and different things like that. Like, we, we need all of the parts of our body to be a full, uh, healthy, well-functioning body. And in the same way, we need each other to really function well as, as a community, as the people of God. And so, yeah, there's people who are gifted in art and music and other people who are not gifted in those things, right? But maybe they're good at, at a certain subject that you're not very good at. Like, we, we, we very much need each other. And, and I think we, we need each other in order to be a part of what, what Jesus has called us to do, which is fulfilling and, and carrying out his mission. We're going to read a little bit about what, what that is in just a second. But, and we've got to do it together. We've got to do it in community. We see with the, with the early church that part of the way Jesus changed their lives was that they started to really do life together and go after this mission together. So let's, let's read. We're going to see what was Jesus' mission, all right, and talk a little bit about what that means for us now. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. So this is right after Jesus has been tempted by Satan in the desert. He passed all the temptations, all right, because he's Jesus, and that's what he does. Uh, and verse 14 says, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, all right? So he comes back from the desert, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Verse 16, and he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And a scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. All right, so he, he stands up. So apparently he was sitting down before. But this was pretty typical. Whenever they would read from the word of God or read from these scrolls, the, the rabbi or whoever was in there would, would read standing up. And then we're going to see in a second that Jesus sits down to teach. So when they would read from the scrolls, they would stand up kind of as a, as a sign of honor and respect for the word of God, right? And then they would, they would sit down to teach and uh, talk about what that means for their lives, okay? So Jesus stands up. He's handed a scroll. This scroll is from Isaiah, okay? And here is what he reads. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he says, like, they don't know this. They don't realize it. I mean, th this was, Isaiah would have been stuff that everybody in the room or everybody in the synagogue would have been familiar with. They would have known these verses. So they probably would have looked on curiously, like, that's an interesting place to start. That's an interesting place to read from. But here's what Jesus says. He rolls up the scroll in verse 20 and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, probably wondering, like, what does that have to do with anything? But also just waiting for him to teach, as would have been normal, right? And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So what's Jesus doing? He opens up the scroll. He reads th these verses that talk about setting the captive free, that talk about giving sight to the blind, that talk about things that if, if the Jews were in the room, if they were thinking about it, that, that for them, this would have been like, yeah, well, this is kind of, this is who we're waiting for. We're waiting for the person who's going to set us free. We're waiting for the person who's going give to us, give us our lives back. And for them, they would have been waiting for a warrior. They would have been waiting for a government official. They would have been waiting for somebody to come in and take out the Romans. 
and get the Jewish people out from under the Roman rule. They were, they were waiting for their knight in shining armor. They were waiting for the person to do this. And, and maybe those thoughts were rolling through their heads. And then Jesus sits down, you know, he gives a scroll back and he says, this is fulfilled. And it's fulfilled in me. See, Jesus is letting them know, and they were not at all able to connect all the dots. But he's letting them know that he's the one who would set the captives free. That he's the one who would bring sight to the blind. That he's the one, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Savior. He was the one that they were waiting for all these years. And he's the one that that we wait for. He's the one that we need just as much as the Jewish people. See, you may not always feel it, but you and I, too, are captives. We are slaves to our sin before Christ. And Jesus came so that we would have life, that we would have life abundant, and that we would have life right now. Jesus came to change the world, but maybe a little bit deeper than that, or maybe even more than that, he came to change us. He came to make a way so that right now you and I can be free from our sin and be free to be in relationship with the God of the universe and that it would happen right now. He came to change the world, but he came to change us as people, set us free. So let me ask you this question How has Jesus changed you? How has Jesus changed your life and how you go about life? Does your life look different right now compared to when you didn't believe in Jesus? Or maybe you can't remember a time you didn't believe in Jesus. So does your life, because of Jesus, does it look different than the life of somebody who says they don't believe in him? It's kind of curious because all of us could come up with a question pretty quickly when it, or an answer pretty quickly when it comes to, hey, what are some things you're good at? What are some things you're bad at? Like, we, we've, oh, man, we've got to admit it. Maybe we don't want to admit we're bad at that, right? Like, or maybe we don't like bragging about ourselves, so it takes us a second to admit what we're good at. But when it comes to this question of how has Jesus changed you, how has Jesus changed me, sometimes it takes us a little bit longer to think about it. I did go to the beach this week, and it was a lot of fun, but something um, not, not super fun happened while we were there. Uh, my grandfather was, he was going to be 92 uh, this past Friday, which is crazy, huh? So this is my dad's dad. He was going to be 92. My mom's dad lived till 90, okay? So I figure halfway in between, I've at least got until I'm 91, okay? So I got a good long ways to go. And we, we got, started getting calls Sunday when we got down to the beach, and you know, Pappy, Pappy fell, we call him Pappy, and, um, and, you know, so my dad went there, drove up from the beach to Columbia, and visited Pappy and everything, and, you know, it seemed kind of fine, pretty normal, he definitely, his, his mind was still there, but his, he was just losing his body, and so a couple more days went by, and sure enough, we get a call on Thursday that Pappy passed away, and, and it, it is, it's super sad, he kind of went in the best way possible, he uh, went to sleep, like, just like normal, every night we go to sleep, and he never woke back up. His body just gave out on him for the last time. And he didn't wake up on this side of heaven, but I truly believe that he woke up and was with, with the Lord, which is incredible, right? 
And he, he, he literally, so Thursday, and he passed away, and Friday would have been his birthday. He, would, he was a day less than 92. And it got me thinking, especially reading this passage and thinking about Jesus calling us into mission with him. And man, 92 years is a long time. But then when you get to the end of that journey, you get to see, you get to be with God, right? That's amazing. And that is very much a part of what Jesus came to do is to make a way so that at some point when we pass away from this world that we would get to be with him in the next. But we don't have to wait 70, 80, 90 years for that to happen. And it made me realize that it would be a shame, and this is kind of now becoming a, a fear for myself and a, and a fear for you all that I have for you, is I don't want for me or for you, for us to waste our lives and that all that our relationship with Jesus means is that one day we get to spend eternity with him. Because Jesus came, yes, to make a way for that, but more, even more than that, to make a way for us to be in relationship with him right now. And that our relationship with Jesus would change the way we, we go into our schools would change the way we, we play on our sports teams, which would change the way we interact with our brother and sister, as hard as that may be, would change what we think about church and gathering together, would, would, would change everything, would change how we approach things like a death in the family. Our relationship with Jesus is not just meant for one day, X amount of years from now when we, when we finally pass away from this earth and, and go to be with him, but it is also meant for right now that our relationship with Jesus would change us. So let me ask the question again. How has Jesus and knowing Jesus in your life, if you are a son or a daughter of God, how does that change things for you? With the, uh, with the early church, it, it changed quite a bit for them. And I wish we had more time to talk about all the things. But one of the, one of the clear things that we see that it changed for them is it changed how they interacted with each other how they loved one another, how they took care of one another. It's, all, it's the things that we've been talking about in this series. We kind of get a little picture of it in some familiar verses in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know, one of the, one of the overflows of their lives being changed was that they actually started to, to really love each other well. They were willing to sell their possessions if somebody had need. They were willing to, to make food if, if somebody didn't have a meal. They started gathering together more frequently to do things like this, like kind of like going to church. They really started caring for each other. And, and going even further, they, they took Jesus' mission, and together they would go and tell people about him. So I think one of the biggest ways that Jesus should change us is that we should start living out the things we've been talking about these past four weeks. Loving each other well. Being there when somebody's in need. Being willing to point out blind spots even when it's tough. Be being a true friend, a godly friend. 
And maybe together, out of that friendship, out of that relationship, that we, we then start to tell other people about the Jesus that we've encountered as well. Maybe you're wondering, well, how, how am I supposed to change the world? What, what are we supposed to do? Like, what are we, what are we supposed to go after? I, th- I think it's two things that we've already talked about this morning is, one, if Jesus came to proclaim the good news and, and now he's left and left that mission to us, then guess what we're now supposed to do? Proclaim the good news. Tell other people about Jesus. And not in a guilty way, but when's the last time, I got to ask myself this too, when's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? It's hard, isn't it? So that's the first thing is we got to follow in Jesus' footsteps and proclaim the good news. And the second thing is this. You know the things that you're good at? I think God wants you to use those to glorify him. He wants you to use those to further the mission, to advance the kingdom. So what does that look like if you're an artist? What does it look like if you enjoy playing video games? What does it look like if you're a great athlete or an actor or whatever it is? God wants to use that for his kingdom. So what does that look like in your life? What does it look like in mine? We're going to get to spend a few minutes talking in, in small groups about what that looks like. Let me pray for us, and then we'll get there, all right? God, thank you so much, again, just for your son and for his example. Thank you for sending him to set captives free, of which we have all been captive. We've all been slaves to our sin, which you've now made us, if we put our trust, our faith in you, you've given us opportunity to be made new, to be made, to be given new life, and to find it in you. Help us to understand a little bit more every day what it looks like to now live for you and not just wait till we're 90-something and pass on from this earth, but we start living right now as middle schoolers. How awesome would that be, living for you? We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.